This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. Wow. <laughs> it's Friday. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm a little punch drunk because today I filled in for Tony Katz today, which is a nationally syndicated program out of WIBC in Indianapolis, Indiana. Tony and I have been friends. In fact, he was instrumental in helping me get my first program, the Saturday evening iteration of Stacy on the Right that was launched on FM News Talk 97.1. And uh, he just... He's been a great friend to me since I met him in the lobby of the hotel, the Gaylord Hotel in Washington, D.C. back in 2012. It might have been, even been 2011. I don't know. Might have even been. Yeah. Whenever my first CPAC was 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, I met Tony. Um, he greeted me with a hug and then said we were going to be best friends. And that was probably the only nice stuff he's ever said. No, I'm kidding. He's he's fantastic. But he's off today. So he had me fill in on the syndicated show. And um, so I did that from 9 a.m. to noon central time. And then I just basically conked out for a minute, just sat, just tried to decompress. And then, of course, I had to run over to one of the coffee shops du jour that I, I'm always going to, which, okay, I'll admit it. I, I went to I went to Whole Foods. I got I got a cup of coffee from Whole Foods. And then... I came back here and I started interfacing with Noah. And so you're probably wondering, well, what's on the show today? I mean, good for you. You filled in. But what what are we doing today? Well, I'll tell you, uh, nearly 30% of delivery drivers are snacking on your food before they give it to you. So we're going to talk about a few just hot news stories, really, y'all. And we're also going to chat with Demetrius Miner, who's going to call in um, second segment. And he's going to chat with us. And we're going to be essentially doing news of the day with him as well. Um, and so while I'm talking to you, I'm just looking to see if I even sent him the phone number because how's he going to call in? It's just that kind of day where I'm just, I'm just figuring my way through. But it's also a fantastic day because it's Friday. And so we'll have a little bit more lighthearted of a show, obviously. And I'm just so glad that you're here and that I'm here, that we're here together and that we're having a good time. Um, so first off, the call lines are open this segment before we have our guest next segment. If you want to join us, 866 866- 766-1776. You'd think I'd be able to memorize that, right? 866-766-1776 if you want to join us. Um, but if you're just here for the listening, for the listening pleasure, then you will want to stick around because we have great, just great topics today. I had a bunch of political stuff. I'm not going to lie. Um, I felt like I could do a two-hour politics-only show today. But today's Friday, and if you honestly, there there are hosts today doing straight up politics for just three hours, really. Um, but I wanted to have a little bit of a couple different things. So first off, let's get into what I promised you yesterday about why reading the Bible is so important to start off your day. So we'll start off the show with that, and then we'll launch into the delivery driver thing because you're probably thinking it can't be that many guys who or people. It's not I guess delivery drivers are men and women. Um, who are just like, they smell your food, it's in the car, so they taste it. Um, now, I, I, I've had this happen many times before, you can ask our kids, where we'll go pick something up, and if it's hot, I can smell it in the car, and sometimes I'll say, ooh, let's taste this <laughs> to the kids, and they'll go, oh. And so, you know, we'll taste it, but that's food that we bought for ourselves. So uh, that shouldn't be a problem, right? We taste our own food. These people are tasting your food and then delivering it to you, and then you're eating it. All right, so first let's talk about why reading your Bible daily is the best way to be productive. You can find this whole piece at listen.stacyontheright.com. That is where all of the show notes are, and I hope you're enjoying those. I love that feature of Fireside. I wish I'd had Fireside podcasts from the first day I ever did um, radio at all because these show notes are so cool. Um, I It's so much work to do this individually 
on your own, but doing it through Fireside is such a snap. So really grateful to have that here for you. Um, so do you remember the viral video from Admiral McRaven? He's a Navy SEAL and it has this really cool, well, the one that's been fixed up has cool music in the background, but this is a commencement speech that he gave. And he's speaking at the University of Texas, Austin. And he said, the best way to start off your day is by making your bed. And then he lists the benefits of putting bed making first and how it sets off a chain reaction of productivity and order in your life. So in short, it's just great advice. Good, useful. It's it, And it's true. I notice when my bed is not made, when I walk into our bedroom, I, I walk in and I'm like, it just does, it doesn't feel as good to walk in there. When the bed is made, when I walk in, it's almost, I don't, well, I notice it, but I don't notice it. Instead of looking at it and thinking that's unmade or I should do something about that, I just walk right on in and whatever I'm doing, like I go in, I'll throw myself on the bed or I'll, you know, throw something on the bed or just walk right past it and go into the closet. It's not, it does create order and it tends to order the rest of your day. And he's right about that. I remember being on basic training, uh, in basic training in the Air Force. And the first thing you do when you get out of the bed is you, you make your bed. Um, and so what's interesting about that is if you decide to run to the latrine from where it, it's this big dorm setting where all of the beds are in an open room, if you decide to run to the latrine and one of the you know, commanding officers or, or, you know, one of the sergeants comes in and you're not in there and your bed's unmade. So the only time your bed is unmade is when you're in it. If you're not in it and you're in the bathroom and your bed's unmade, they will come in. And when you get back, you're getting a holy rain of terror laid down on you because you left your bed unmade. And to them, it's a discipline. And so you just are conditioned to do that while you're there. So what does this have to do with reading the Bible every day? You're probably wondering. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, in this piece over at redeemingproductivity.com, it says, but as much, as much as a simple habit as making your bed can set the tone for the whole day, there's another habit which, if practiced daily, will rightly shape not just your day, but your life and even your eternity. I'm talking about the fact that beginning your day with reading the word of God is the number one thing you can do in order to lead a productive life. So this is before you even get out of the bed. You reach over your nightstand, grab the word or whatever book you're studying that's about the word and you read it. Um, so he has three arguments here and he actually has another article that's eight ways to make daily Bible reading a habit that's embedded within this. So I don't have to put a separate link there for you. Uh, but here are the three reasons that he gives. First of all, Reason number one, that's why it's important, super important, is that it begins the day with a habit. So the the reason, first reason why this Bible reading daily leads to a productive life is the simple truth that it begins your day with a habit and habits are contagious. Setting aside the clear spiritual benefit of this discipline for a moment, consider when you practice a healthy habit, other habits become easier to cultivate alongside it. Mm, that's pretty deep, y'all. I like it. Um, so, so... It's the most important habit you can have, so why not start? The real benefits, however, are spiritual indeed. The second reason why he says it's super important is that it reminds you of your purpose. So, it you know, why are we here? The cares and troubles of this world have a way of driving our real purpose from our minds. And I notice if I miss a few days of Bible reading, devotion in the morning, what happens is I get really antsy and fearful during the day. And I'll be thinking, what's wrong with me? What Like, why is everything setting me off? And then I'll think, oh, wow. So I jumped up this morning because I had, you know, early radio hit or it's usually it's something like that where my routine is disrupted or I'm catching a flight. So I'll jump out of the bed. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm freaking out. I haven't packed everything. So then I start doing all that. And by the time I get to the airport, I am just mentally, it's like, you know, rat on a wheel craziness. Well, the Bible talks about this too. The cares and troubles of this world have a way of driving our real purpose from our minds. And it's worth noting that this was the very thing, the cares of this present life, which choked out faith in the thorny soil. And that's in Mark 419. So even for true believers, we can get knocked off course if we let our eyes linger too long on the temporal. And I, I was actually, even, even if you do your Bible reading, the cares of this world can creep in and really have an impact on you, but it's much less frequent, much less likely, and much less severe if you commit yourself and devote yourself to this, this practice of saying every morning, 
I'm going to read. And we're not talking about spending an hour laying in the bed reading it. This is, it's up to you. You'll know what's right. You just have to get started. And then lastly, um, oh, well, I want to give you one more verse. Um, Hebrews 12, 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus is the only way to walk by faith in this world of distraction. You want to avoid straying from your purpose, continually looking at him through reading our Bibles. And then lastly, the third most important reason why this is a great habit to cultivate and we must do it as believers is that it sets our priorities. So our priorities are straight and in order and it's a choice that we make. We pick our Bible up first before we pick up our phone. This is an act of defiance against the sinful heart because the heart says, pick up your phone. There's news. There's something happening. You don't want to miss out. Pick up your phone. Trinity London is live streaming and you don't want to miss out. She's on a different time zone. Pick up your phone. The person you were having a disagreement with yesterday that you apologized to last night might have seen your text message and they might be reaching out to you so you can have lunch because you want to reconcile. It could be great reasons why you want to pick up your phone. It isn't always that it's bad, but God should come first. So when you start your morning with the news or social media, you're setting a tone for the day. And just as a hatchling adopts the first face he sees it as a mother, what you first engage with has a permanent effect on the rest of your day. So um, he talks about water cooler talk and being fixated on the last temporal thing, sports center, TV shows, movies, an article in Twitter feed, how that can dominate our conversation How much better would it be through the habit of daily Bible reading if we set our hearts on those things which are above, Colossians 3, 2? And I think that's where we get to really operate as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, where if we've contacted our Bible first instead of, you know, the latest news bit from Apple, then during the day, we're much more cognizant of that person that we're encountering, whether it's a workmate or someone that we bump into at the store who just needs that extra kind word or a smile, or an acknowledgement that it just means the world to them. And sometimes we're so wrapped up because we just start the day off with the news. And we, I just, if I do that, I just gallop through the day from thing to thing to thing. News, 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 news. And by the end of the day, my eyes are literally exhausted from looking at the news. I'm mentally drained from absorbing all of the news. And I just want to run outside and like, you know, stick my face in, in uh, a hydrangea bush and just, you know, breathe it in because I'm, I'm just overloaded. God doesn't mean for us to live that way. And there's nothing wrong with news. There's nothing wrong with absorbing and, and, you know, being involved in your work. This is my job. But I have to have some balance there. And the balance that I can attain for just speaking for myself is when I get in the word first, then the rest of the day is much more orderly. So that's the encouragement for today. You didn't think I'd stop doing that, did you? <laughs> okay, so... um I also want to go over to the live streams and just shout out is thank you so much to everybody who makes comments on here. And um, I said we were going to talk about the delivery thing. So what I what I'm going to do is we will discuss as part of our news of the day, this story about the delivery drivers doing what they do with our food. We're going to discuss that with Demetrius when he calls in. So Demetrius is our guest today on the show. And I had one person say, don't worry, you know, you don't worry about not having as many guests to start off with, but it's mainly, um, it's, so it's a logistical thing because in order to have callers right now, that function is located outside of the little home studio. So I need Noah to be available and he usually is, but sometimes, um, ah, okay, we're going to, we're going to push Demetrius back to three 30. Um, but we, sometimes I need him to be present to do that. Why well, I, I need him to be present to do the phone calls. And if he's not, then we can't do callers. The other thing is, I'm just going to be honest with you. Or I shouldn't say just going to be honest. I'm, I'm always honest with you. I want to be open with you as we have been doing the show this whole time since, you know, the, the, the new digital self syndicated product has been, uh, unveiled. So we're on, I'm on a learning curve. No one knows all this stuff. I'm on a learning curve and, some of the things that we've been doing, I've been trying to, um, basically it's like gulping from a fire hose. I'm trying to get up to speed on certain things. And I felt like if we didn't have guests for a little bit, especially with the show only being one hour instead of two, that would make it easier. First of all, on you, less technical difficulties, et cetera. And it would make it a little bit easier on me because I'm absorbing, trying to incorporate everything that we're doing here uh, on the program. And I think that's worked out pretty well. But having the guests is 
It's so fun, y'all. So filling in for Tony today, I got to speak to Hans von Spakovsky of the Heritage Foundation. And that was fantastic. And um, I enjoyed it so much. And so I spoke to two other guests as well. And I was like, I need my guests back. So we're having Demetrius today and then we'll do more later. But right now, going to the break. When we get back, we'll talk about this whole delivery driver thing. (laughs) Stay there. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. First, I hold my hands out like they're on a steering wheel. Then I look over my shoulder. One. Okay, cool guy. Two. Three times. Next. Oh, I put it in reverse. Meep, meep, meep. Then I take it up and down. Up, up, and down. And that, kiddos, is called the forklift. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now that's dancing. Sure beats flossing. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collect surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Woo! Let's get crazy! In movies, when someone at a party jumps into a pool fully dressed, everyone cheers them on and jumps in too. Just so you know, in real life parties, nobody jumps in after you. You just look stupid. Come on, jump in! Come on. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. You guys are like, what? (laughs) I'm just, I'm telling you, it takes so much out of you when you do like a three hour show. And then I wanted to be on Periscope again, or, you know, I wanted to go back onto Periscope today. And I, I just didn't even think about that. I was so busy trying to get a cup of coffee. You guys, you have to just be like, what is she talking about here? Um, so I didn't get a chance to do like, it takes a minute to do the stuff. Um, you have to basically, you have to be ready to do this stuff, right? Um, oh, geez. Okay. So that's what I was trying to do over the break. Um, okay. So anyway, I wanted to talk about this story about the delivery drivers. And it's, so first of all, this is gross, right? It's not just a little gross. It's like way out of control gross. Um, and, and so... It's nearly 30% of the delivery drivers actually admit that that's what they do. So let me get over here real quick. 
Um, one in four delivery food delivery drivers admit to eating your food, and this is according to NPR. So the smell of mouthwatering food, it's hard to ignore. You guys, we all know this. Like this is this is rocket science. Especially when it belongs to someone else. I don't know that it has to belong to someone else to be more scrumptious. At least that's the suggestion of a recent study that found nearly 30% of drivers are snacking on the food they're responsible for delivering. The survey was conducted by U.S. Foods, which supplies food to restaurants. Gathered, uh, They gathered information from about 500 food delivery drivers and more than 1,500 customers in America who ordered through apps such as DoorDash, Postmates, Grubhub, and Uber Eats. So maybe the issue is that these these are drivers who aren't affiliated with the restaurant. So I think your so your driver is much less likely to eat your food if they're if they already work at the restaurant and they've been smelling the food all day. That's the danger here. Take it from me. I think that I think I'm right. Okay, so respondents ranged in age from 18 to 77 years old. They had a median age of 31. Drivers who reported working for at least one food delivery app had a median age of 30. In an effort to better understand the process of ordering and delivering meals, the company asked both groups about their habits and pain points. Of the drivers surveyed, 54% admitted to being tempted by the smell of a customer's food. And about half of those people actually took a bite. We're sorry to report that sometimes impulse gets the best of deliverers and they violate their sacred duty by taking some of the food, U.S. Foods said in a statement. So they asked customers, uh, what if the, your delivery driver snags a few fries? Well, the average customer response was 8.4 out of 10. One represented no big deal and 10 signified absolutely unacceptable. To remedy the problem, 85% of customers recommended adding tamper evident labels or packaging, which commonly comes in the form of a sticker seal. Okay, so sticker seal on the food, the people can't open it up, and so they therefore would be prevented from, (sighs) okay, so some delivery services already have implemented things to to kind of rectify this. Postmates told NPR that food tampering cases account for less than 0.06 of the reports that they receive, but the delivery service still requires each person who completes a delivery using Postmates to expressly agree that all food and goods delivered will arrive in a tamper-free form and in compliance with all applicable food and health and safety laws. Grubhub spoke to the survey company by online chat And the representative said that if a customer suspects that some of the food is missing, the company will potentially open an investigation and issue a refund. Uber Eats and DoorDash did not respond to NPR's request for comment. So out of all the the businesses I've listed here, which is Grubhub and Postmates, Uber Eats and DoorDash, the last two are the ones you might want to think twice about having deliver your food. Because they did not want to discuss this survey with uh, the people within PR. They didn't want to discuss it. And to me, that's an indication that they're not interested in improving their their service. Um, so under the delivery guidelines, Uber Eats said they will deactivate any account with fraudulent activity or misuse, including claiming to complete a delivery without ever picking up the item, picking up a delivery item, but not delivering it in full. And DoorDash directs drivers not to open food containers or tamper with the order in any way. And if there's any suspected tampering, DoorDash will deactivate the driver's account. So uh, let's, I think we, I think we have Demetrius. Demetrius Minor is an author. He's a, he's a pastor and he's also, I'm sorry, a minister. He's a minister and an author. And he's also a good friend of mine, family friend, and he used to be my producer on the previous iteration of the show. And so it's my pleasure to welcome him to the show. Demetrius, thanks for joining us. Okay, so this is one of the things I don't know for sure. I I thought I heard him on the line. So he should be with us in any second now, any in a couple of minutes. Um, And I'm not reintroducing him. So when he comes on, you make sure that you remember what I just told you about him. So a couple more things. Um, so overall food delivery service is obviously a growing business and it's transforming the way people get their food. 
And UBS found on average food delivery platforms were in the top 40 most downloaded apps in major markets. And by 2030, most meals currently cooked at home will instead be ordered online and delivered from restaurants or central kitchens, according to UBS. So I want to, I want to talk about that. As a mom, I, I, I do get in a rut sometimes with my own recipes. And so we'll order, I will go and pick it up. My husband will pick it up on the way home. Um, we do sometimes have delivery, you know, here, but it's usually from the restaurant, not a service. We have used a service before, but I, I prefer to have the company that's making the food send one of their drivers over to deliver the food. Um, cause it seems to me like the chain of custody is a little more tight there than having some third party pick the food up for you and bring it to your house. Although it is convenient because we have tried it before. Um, one of the restaurants that we sometimes will use, they had a, uh, like it was basically a coupon. You could get free delivery. And so we tried DoorDash and it worked great. But again, third party. Um, okay. I'm hearing beeping. Does that mean that we have our guest? Okay. Not yet, but it does mean the phone lines are active, I think. Um, so I, I want to encourage for people, if you have kids at home, even if they're teenagers now, that one of the best things you can do for them, girls especially, yes, I said it, I don't care who gets mad, is to make sure they know how to cook. And if you're not the best cook and you don't feel comfortable teaching them, then you can take them to almost all the grocery stores will have one of their grocery stores in the chain or two or more. Here in St. Louis, we have a ton of them. There'll be a what looks like a test kitchen inside the grocery store. And they give cooking classes, everything from the perfect pan of brownies to um, how to make a Thanksgiving dinner, how to make a, you know, quick on the go meal, how to make casseroles. And you can enroll your child in one class or a ton of them to give them a passion for cooking their own food. I actually think it's going to be a sign of like the, the deterioration of our culture because one of the best things you can do at home is it's not just that the food gets delivered. It's that the food, when it's cooked at your house, you get to go through the process of people actually, Oh, I smell food cooking. I wonder what she's making going in. Hey, what are you making? You know, looking, helping, um, shopping for the food. These are all things that have value. Um, also, so that you know what different things there are that are available to you. Have you ever just gone to the spaghetti aisle and just, you know, the, the spaghetti sauce aisle and stood there and just surveyed the 40 or 50 or 140? Some grocery stores have over 100 different spaghetti sauces that are available to you. So recently I've taken to getting instead of buying our two or three jars of prego I've taken to getting actual like I'll I'll get one jar of prego and then I'll get three jars of a different kind of sauce different brands different ones that I've never tried some of them are in the the title is in Italian so I'm like I read the back see what ingredients and I try it and then I bring it home and you would not believe the reaction from people when they're used to having one kind of sauce and you introduce them to another one it's like whoa um wow, that's pretty awesome. Or I'm not sure what this sauce is. What is it? You know, people do react quite strongly to, um, you know, either having or not having whatever they're having. <laughs> so I don't want to turn into that society where central kitchens are cooking all the food for people. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like communism or socialism. Everybody is getting their food cooked in some weird place um, and then delivered. Awesome. Okay. So you guys, now we have Demetrius Minor. Hey, Demetrius, thanks for calling in today. Hey, Stacey. Always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, finally. The segment's almost over, dude. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had some. Yeah, are you trying to have a life? I thought we were having a show. Yeah, you need to be on with when we, we have... We are having a show. Okay, fine. So, you guys, Demetrius is on with us. Now, let's kind of unpack this. I've been talking to them um, about this story out on NPR, and it's one in four delivery drivers admits to eating your food. Yeah, almost 30% admit to eating the food that they're delivering, tasting it, opening it up, etc. Thoughts? Uh, I don't know if he can hear me anymore. Are you still there? I, I, I am here. You're talking about drivers like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, 
um, carry out delivery, that, that sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> and they admit to eating your food. To eating the food that they're supposed to be delivering, tasting it, sampling it. I'm not talking about just picking a couple of fries out. I mean, actually eating the food, tasting it. I've heard stories of that as well. Um, and I've, I've heard stories of, of drivers doing unpleasant things to food. The good news is that um, they, they're usually caught. Um, and when they are caught, um, they're fired or there's legal action um, that's taken uh, in a very timely matter. Um, but it does make you want to think twice about um, ordering your food. That's for sure. Yeah, so this was a study done by, um, not, let me just put, U.S. Foods. So U.S. Foods did the study, and they got information from about 500 food delivery drivers. It's I, I agree with you, it's gross, and a lot of the companies already have policies where they'll fire you if you do that. But it just, it makes me wary of the third-party delivery. If the person's already been smelling the food all day because they were working at the restaurant, then, you know what I'm saying? It's like not it's not as likely that they're going to be starving for it if they've been at the restaurant all day long smelling it. Well, well now um, you're making me, <laughs> you're making me think twice about using Uber Eats and DoorDash mm-hmm. um, and all the other lovely services I love to use when mm-hmm. I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you might want to think about it. Okay. So let's pivot over to some political news. Um, I know you saw the debates the other night. And so as the, the ash settles and the president had his rally, um, where do you see, like, do you see the Democrats continuing to tack to the middle or is this their new positioning, this hard left Medicare for all socialism, um, you know, gun confiscation, all that stuff. Is that going to be where they remain? Well, it remains to be seen because Kamala Harris changes her plan every five days. It looks, it seems like, uh, I still think they're trying to, to find that balance of how far left they want to go uh, or if they want to appeal to moderates and uh, distress Republicans, so to speak. I think I still think Joe Biden is the, is the guy to be. And we saw that with the last debate, how everyone was teaming up on him and uh, how everyone was targeting him because he still is the proverbial Front runner. So I, I think, you know, if you look at the establishment wing of the Democrats, uh, they're not really on board with the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez plan, the Medicare for all plan by, by Bernie Sanders. And uh, they're, they're trying to not attach themselves to this socialistic agenda. And, and this is what the primaries are for, to see which, which person comes out on top. And um, at the end of the day, I still think Joe Biden and the credentials and the experience that he brings to the table, I still think uh, he's the person to beat right now. Okay, so you said it, not me. Joe Biden. Dude was he. Well, everyone was attacking him. Um, He was okay. A a few of the liberal commentators, when they were talking about the actual event, the, the actual debate, they mentioned that he was. He was not as sharp. He flubbed his words a little bit. And I kind of commiserate with him because sometimes you just get to flubbing your words because your mind is running so fast. He's elderly, though, so it's a little different for him. But what about that epic smackdown with uh, with so you have Kamala Harris and it's almost as if Biden tagged Tulsi Gabbard in and Tulsi Gabbard came down from the rafters and whatever that WWE move is where you basically fall out of the sky on somebody <laughs> and you knock them out, that's what happened. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Biden. I don't think Biden has to be spectacular. Uh, for, for, it's similar to 2012, um, where um, it was a crowded GOP primary. And for all intents and purposes, Romney was the front runner. And Romney just had to do enough to stay afloat. Now, of course, as the field narrowed, um, you know, you had to shine more in the debate. But right now, there's 20-plus candidates running for president, 
Joe Biden doesn't have to do anything spectacular. He just has to stay afloat. Because eventually the money's going to dry out. The support's going to dry out from the other candidates that are polling um, at low numbers. Um, and, and Kamala Harris is a target right now. Okay, so you're going to have to hold over until the next segment because you came on so late. So you're just going to have to hold on. And then after the break, we'll come back and you can finish your thoughts on that. And I have a couple other things I want to talk to you about. Okay, Stacy on the right. We'll be right back. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spell. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Okay, kids, Dad's going to teach you how to dance. First, spread your feet apart. Then, pump your knee, nod your head, shake your hips, and bite your lip ever so slightly. Now, with one hand in the air, point at people with the other hand. I call that the rock star. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now, make a face like it just smells something bad. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the dog show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, and of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hello, friends. We're back with Demetrius Minor, author and minister, and um, personal friend of mine who's hanging out on the show. Um, so, Demetrius, you launch into one of the political topics that you want to talk about. I mean, the debates, yeah, we're glad about it. What'd you think of the rally? Like, what else is going on? <laughs> well, I just think that uh, you know we're we're about to press the acceleration, um, the accelerator into the 2020 season, and um, I'm glad to see that criminal justice reform uh, is at the forefront of issues that's being talked about because for many election cycles it hasn't been, and uh, we saw where Tulsi Gabbard went after. Uh, Kamala Harris as her record as a prosecutor, which has been problematic for quite some time, especially around, especially with communities of color, uh, which is a demographic that Kamala Harris desperately needs if she wants to gain traction in the race. Now, I, I'm not so sure if there's going to be much upside uh, 
two Tulsi Gabbard's uh, relentless uh, attacks on Kamala Harris because she has things that she uh, that are problematic in her past as well. <laughs> uh, but it does bring it does bring to the forefront, you know, uh, issues such as the First Step Act that the president signed and how we can expound on that and uh, things uh, people of color being locked up for things like marijuana and misdemeanors and Kamala Harris's track record as Attorney General of California. So these are conversations that I don't think are going away anytime soon. So let's let's kind of talk about that. Um, so yeah, the the only purpose that it serves is if Kamala Harris ends up being the presidential or vice presidential nominee, then that hit from Tulsi, Gab- Tulsi Gabbard will will be made into commercials by the Republicans or by PACs that are on the right. Um, so it, it's it's damaging sure. to her, but I don't know that it stops her from becoming the nominee. But I I, th- I actually think. What it did was it made Kamala Harris look really unprofessional and she didn't look like she could handle the hit, which for someone who calls herself a top tier candidate, someone who's pulling at zero percent can rattle you like that. Then you wonder how would she be under pressure with, you know, Vladimir Putin or Kim Jong Un or or any of those people. In fact, here's an honest question for you. Here's a pointed question. Demetrius, in your mind, do you see Kamala Harris meeting with Vladimir Putin or Kim Jong Un? can can your mind make that leap? Is it a leap? Listen, I, I think Kamala Harris, uh, her, her personality and her de- demeanor, and we've seen this. Uh, let's just take, for example, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, or in just her role as a U.S. senator. I I, I see some. I can see her being aggressive. Uh, in, in some sense, here's where, if, if I can just play devil's advocate for a moment, and, and this is where it might work in Kamala Harris' favor. Stacey, the majority of America is not really paying attention to debates right now. Once the field narrows, I mean, because half of these people don't have name recognition, uh, once the field narrows, and once it gets closer to caucus dates, primary dates, that's when I really think the pressure is on. I, I think right now I'm not so sure that the American people have a strong appetite for the 2020 presidential election. <laughs> I don't think on they haven't that, either. <laughs> many Americans, and, and, well, and many Americans have already succumbed to the notion that the president's going to win re-election anyway, at least as of right now. The things, uh, you know, politics is an eternity. So, you know, that something can happen with the economy or there's something can happen overseas. Uh, and I'm not wishing that, of course, but I, I'm saying right now, I don't think that many Americans are as tuned in as these politicians will hope them to be, which can work in their favor because, they have time to equip themselves and to improve themselves. For example, Vice President Joe Biden had a poor debate performance a month ago. Well, Stacey, 365 days from now, in August of 2020, that's going to be old news. No one's going to care about that. So I think it just depends on how the candidate can or cannot adjust to the heat that comes their way. Hmm. So... I agree with you. Um, as I was listening to you, it, it occurred to me. You should. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, I what you know what occurred to me, Demetrius. <laughs> I would admit that. So I get stuck in this place where I am, where I'm I'm constantly checking in with politics, right? <laughs> That's what I do. Right. And for the American people, they're just busy going to water parks and enjoying the summer. <laughs> they're not paying attention to politics. So then. What happens is that, like you said, they'll wait until it becomes pressing. It, it, they'll wait until it, it actually pushes into their world where it's on the nightly news every night. 
And the big, the big networks are not only covering it, but the little networks are now, you know, showing clips from the debates. And so they'll, the, you know, it'll become the subject of water cooler or maybe you have a Keurig at work, whatever. You're getting your coffee or you're getting your, your salad and people will be like, Hey, did you see the debate or did you hear or who are you voting for? That's when they'll tune in. That's months away because they have 10 more debates. Can you believe they have 10 more debates, dude? 10 more debates. Ten more, ten, ten more, and so uh, and, and it's going to be a different news cycle at the time. It's going to be a different current event that's going to dominate the news. Um, for for example, right now it seems like it's Baltimore uh, and, and the crisis that's going on there. But by but by the time that the next um, debate comes around, you know, it might be the unemployment numbers. It might be the United States uh, pulling forces out of Afghanistan. With, with the constant changing of the news cycle, uh, it, 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 it forces that it, it forces the candidates to stay on message. It, it forces them to adapt. Uh, but if you have a but the, but the good news of that is that if you have a poor debate performance, well, all of a sudden that becomes yesterday's news. Hmm. Okay, so this early on poor debate performance, but okay, so Demetrius, how many of the candidates? Right now, their team took notes on that hit from Tulsi Gabbard. And if, let's say, Joe Biden, uh, so it's Joe Biden, her, and Elizabeth Warren. What's the over-under on Elizabeth Warren launching that same attack, identical, wording and everything, on Kamala Harris when it gets down to just two or three or four of them? Well, I, I think it will be highly likely um, because, because now um, – because now the competition becomes stiffer. And, um, what, but with 30 plus candidates, <laughs> I, I think they're going to be reluctant to, to attack, to go on the attack too much. Uh, but they, they want to wait till it narrows down. And they're absolutely, they're going to exploit the weakness of their competitor. So I, I, I do expect this to, her record as prosecutor is not going to go away. <laughs> so it's not going away and she's going to probably buff up on how to handle these kinds of insults. Cause I, I noticed today in the news that the department, California department of corrections has undergone a website update. And in the update, it makes it much more difficult to find out who the prosecutor was that sentenced someone to what jail time for what offense so that you can't just go in and search marijuana offenses and find out who was the prosecutor who, who, you know, did the convictions, which is what they did when they were able to quote that 1,556 statistic, you know, the number of people who were convicted of marijuana crimes and sent to prison as opposed to given some other kind of thing. So uh, it, it's, uh, you know, isn't that something? I mean, it's just a magic update, Demetrius. It's just happened right after the debate. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's. I, I'm sure that's not uh, coincidental. Uh, I, I'm sure that has nothing to do oh, no. uh, with the debate. I, I'm no. sure that was um, already planned. Oh yeah, no, it's just a. It, it was the kind of thing that happens. You know how these computers are; they're dastardly. When things happen, they just they just adjust themselves. They update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so one. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I just saw also an announcement that uh, Representative Radcliffe, Republican from Texas, he was going to be something, and now he isn't. Uh, President Trump has changed his mind. Direct, yeah, the director of intelligence. Uh, I saw that as well. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if he had someone else in mind. I, I don't know if uh, maybe um, the, the, the screening of the candidates, the background search, something came up. Uh, he had to withdraw his name. Um, I, I don't know. But I, I do know that this is a position that is critical and shouldn't be left open um, for too long. Hmm. I agree. Um, so I think... Uh and I guess this will be our last topic for today, but this is so, I, I just, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Um, you mentioned Baltimore, Demetrius, and there's a, there's a, the, a thing going on right now, which is, and it's unavoidable, and I'm so glad to see it because I, I think you will agree with me that I have been beating this drum for almost 10 years. I've been talking about how if you want to see 
what your town will look like under the rule of the Democrats. If a Democrat is saying, make me the mayor, make me your municipal leader, all you have to do is look at the inner cities of America because they are run almost exclusively by the Democrats. And they, there are beautiful cities in this country that are run by Democrats. There are plenty of people who are thriving in cities that are run by Democrats, but almost to a fault, if you're black and you live in the inner city and it's run by a Democrat, your life is not as good as it would be if you lived in the suburbs, which is, you know, largely the suburbs are run by Republicans or moderates. And there's a huge difference in the way that you live. If you're black and you move to the suburbs, all of a sudden things are looking up for you. And the president is now pointing that out. You and I have been talking about this for years. Isn't it kind of interesting that it takes Donald Trump, the wrecking ball, to come in for this to become, you know, common conversation? Well, you know, we've been talking about this for years. Um, Districts, precincts, areas in our country um, that's riddled with poverty, um, that's, that's stricken with disease, low unemployment, um, economic malnutrition, uh, um, you just go on and on. Uh, Baltimore, it's not just Baltimore, San Francisco, uh, Detroit, and it's reflective of the policies and the leadership that's been in place for decades and decades without no accountability. So the question that, and it is a tough question, but it requires an answer and it requires introspection is when are the citizens going to say enough is enough? Because here's the deal, Stacey. You, you and I can point out how liberal policies have failed Baltimore, Detroit, California, the list goes on and on. And what you and I say and the points that we have bring, point out are true. But, but how do the citizens, the people who are actually registered to vote in those areas, when are they going to look at the Elijah Cummings, the uh, the Nancy Pelosi, and the, the people who are representative of these districts, and when are they going to tell them enough is enough? So there, there has it has to come to a point to where the constituent feels compelled to take action. Because I can tell you right now, these 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 members of Congress, they're not having town halls in these areas to hear from their citizens. Uh, you know, they're they're not having open office hours where the citizens can come and voice their concerns. Because they know that the status quo will be defied. So they're, they're counting on them being angry at the media, being angry at the outside noise, and still voting them back into office um, every, every two years in November. So it, it, it's the responsibility falls upon the backs of the taxpayers in those districts and those areas, because those are the ones who are suffering the worst. You and I are not suffering um, of what's happened in Baltimore or uh, San Francisco, they are. And until they have a desire to actually bring upon change upon their communities, I'm, I'm afraid we're still going to see the same cycle repeat itself. I think you summed it up you. accurately. Um, I just think it's it's kind of depressing because one of the things that I see happening is so many of our young people are being lost in those environments. Um Demetrius, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you, and I will chat with you online a little bit later. But <laughs> thanks for joining the show today. Always a, always a pleasure. Awesome. Stacey Washington.